I've been asked tonight to speak a little about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whose picture is being placed there behind. He appeared in the eastern part of India about 533 years ago. It'll be on the anniversary is on this Tuesday in the full moon. He was an extraordinary personality and something that causes me some sadness is how little is actually known about him. From the um, time of his birth, he manifested really extraordinary qualities. He was extremely beautiful. Everybody was absolutely captivated by him. And at a young age, he became so... He wasn't a, like a bookworm, a nerd, but he was like amazingly intelligent. And in, to the point that by the time he was about 12 or 13 years of age, he could easily debate with all the big scholars in the um, area where he appeared or took birth. That place was um, known as the seat of, of learning of India at that time. Many great pundits, great scholars would come and, and set up shop, as it were, and ply their wares there. And so people that wanted really good education would come to this area and, and receive education. And he became so proficient in debate and logic that nobody could, could touch him. In fact, he had this habit with all his young friends um, roaming the streets of the town after school and sometimes causing mischief. And he would see some huge scholar and he would call out to him, oh, good sir, please can I ask you a question? And everybody just like freaked out when they were put in that situation because he would ask them some, you know, logical problem or grammatical problem and they would give their um, explanation. And then he would congratulate them and say, that was just like amazing. But when I think about it, um, you may have not quite got it right. And then he would give another way of approaching and understanding the problem. And it'd be just like something extraordinary. And so the guy's feeling rather shamed that this young boy is kind of, you know, been able to do this. Then he would pause and go, but on the other hand, I think that what you put forward is probably better than my argument. And then just kind of like, what? And then he would explain that other person's argument from a whole different perspective. And it was just like this bit of a um, pride roller coaster for the big, the big teachers. It got to the point um, when he was... Uh, 14, 
he actually started his own school. They call it a tola. And everybody was wanting to come and, and study under him. And it was a, a something that they used to do amongst the scholars, the big scholars, is they would engage in, in public debate. If challenged, they kind of couldn't turn it down. And if they were defeated in debate, they would have to sign over a portion of their wealth and their students and followers and declare in, in writing, oh, this person defeated me in argument. He is a great scholarly personality. And they would give a, a title to those who were um, considered able to conquer in all direc directions. It was called the Digvijaya. The Digvijaya was someone who was un, un, in, he could not be compared to anybody. He was extraordinary. So there was this great Digvijaya that came down from Kashmir and traveled through North India, defeating everybody in his wake. And he was coming to um, Navadweep this area where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was. And when all the scholars there heard about it, they all kind of shuddered and were a little bit afraid. And so they quietly had a meeting and they decided to slip out of town <laughs> and pretend they were going to some academic conclave somewhere. And they weren't going to tell Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who at that time was known as Nimai Pandit, we won't, we won't tell him. And we'll leave town. And if this guy, Digvijay, defeats him, then we'll just say, well, you know, why didn't you announce you are coming? Because we would have stayed behind and certainly faced you. This is just a young boy from our town. But on the other hand, if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu defeats him, then we can say, well, even the young boys in our place can defeat the great Digvijais. So this Digvijai, this Kashmiri Pandit, he came and he, he had a camel train behind him of treasures and servants. And he rode on an elephant. That was like, in those days, that was like a Rolls Royce, you know. <laughs> You're showing up in a Rolls Royce. So he rocked into town. And he had heard a little bit about this Nimai Pandit. And he decided, you know, that he'd refresh himself after his journey. And so he walked along the, the Ganga, the Ganges River, runs through this part of the country. So he thought he'd take a nice late afternoon stroll along the Ganga. It'd be very refreshing. And he came across this great body of young people all sitting with very focused attention. And he described that sitting in the middle was someone that looked, it was like a full moon sitting amongst stars. It was extraordinarily beautiful and had the, sitting in a warrior's pose. And he had a very broad chest and a deep voice that said it sounded like a lion. And so he was standing quite fixated and just watching. And then Nimai Pandit turned and noticed him and immediately rose up and approached him and 
tremendous respect and invited him into the, the gathering. And he said, I, I take it that you are the great Kashmiri Pandit, the Digvijaya. And he was kind of, you know, flattered. And, <laughs> and so he introduced, told all the assembled students, please offer him the greatest respects. And he said, I heard that you have this ability to extemporaneously compose Sanskrit poetry. And that is just like, whoa, that's an amazing feat because the grammatical rules that govern Sanskrit, the word Sanskrit means actually like highly polished. It's meant to be like the perfection of spoken language. And um, he begged him, please do it. And he was saying, oh, no, 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 no. And he's saying, please, you know, speak some praise of Mother Ganga. And so Digvijay offered his respects to Saraswati, the goddess of learning, from whom he had received this, this great power and ability. And he launched into this composition. And it was just like, they said, like pearls flowing. These beautiful verses. He, he spoke con, you know, extemporaneously 100 verses of poetry. And everybody was like, absolutely aghast and Chaitanya thanked him so much then he said may I ask you a question and he said certainly he said in the 24th verse you said and he repeated it verbatim and the guy was just like completely shocked and he began to question why did you use this particular verb form here when previously you had used another form, and it has this implication that there is something imbalanced or something wrong here. And the Digvijay was just stunned. He didn't know what to say. And uh, Nimai Pandit did this three or four times. And the guy was just like completely flustered and tongue-tied. And he couldn't understand what was happening, that he had lost the ability to even speak or to explain what were actually obviously flaws. So then Nimai Pandit said, well, please excuse me in my um, haste and excitement to question you. You've traveled all day and are probably very tired, so please go home and, and, and take rest and then perhaps we can pick it up tomorrow. And Digvijay was really happy to be able to slip out the, the side of the meeting there and beat a retreat. But he was then overwhelmed with this, this terrible anxiety. He felt that he had somehow displeased the goddess of learning, Srimati Saraswati. And she had removed his ability and... Um, he just could, couldn't eat and could hardly sleep. In the early hours of the morning, he drifted off. And he had a dream. He, he recorded this. He said in this dream, Saraswati came to him and told him he should not feel ashamed of what has happened. He said, she told him that what you are not seeing is that this is the greatest of spiritual personalities 
He is actually my own Lord and Master, and you should not feel any shame in, in what has occurred. The next day, Indigvijay sought him out and um, <clears throat> been able to see him walking alone on the banks of the Ganga. He approached him with haste and prostrated himself completely on the ground. And Chaitanya was saying, no, you know, please don't, don't do this. You are a very senior person to me. I am only a young lad. And he said, do not hide yourself any longer. I know who you are. So um, there, there's a lot more detail to it, but it was an amazing encounter. And I uh, am just relaying that because it sort of like epitomizes um, that period of, of the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What, a, what an amazing scholar he was. But things were to change very quickly. He now made the decision to actually reveal his purpose um, for being here. And he inaugurated the Kirtan. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is actually the father of, of the Kirtan movement as we know it in the world today. He was the one that was responsible for introducing it. It's not like he invented it. He, the Vedas are filled with many authoritative um, quotations of how this particular form of meditation is, it has a unique potency that in this particular time, is the most effective and efficient means for not only self-realization, but the attainment of the awakening and full experience of transcendental love for the Lord. And so he gathered about himself a group of really extraordinary personalities. There are too many to speak about. Um, all of them are, were, were unique and, and great spiritual personalities. And he would engage in these riotous kirtans that would go sometimes all night. And um, people were just lost in, in a great a spiritual ecstasy. There were people that were envious of him and attempted to stop him from what he was doing. So they spoke to the local Muslim magistrate and asked that he put a stop to it. So some military men were sent to threaten them and to break some of the musical instruments and tell them that they would all be put into jail if they continued. At that time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was probably about um, 20 years of age. And he had this amazing influence on everybody. People were just so drawn to him. And so he asked the general population to come out and protest. So there was this massive protest at nighttime of um, 
tens of thousands of people came with torchlights performing this kirtan in the street, winding its way to the Kazi's res uh, residence. The Kazi hid in, in his house. He was terrified of this. But they ended up having a most extraordinary exchange. And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu touched his heart very deeply. And the Kazi made a degree, decree that nobody was to interfere with um, this, these activities, this kirtan activity of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. At the age of, of 24, he completely gave up. He had already actually given up a couple of years before his role as a scholar and teacher. And he became completely steeped in distributing this greatest of spiritual gifts, the actual awakening of divine spiritual love for the Supreme Soul. He took sannyas, and this is an order of um, renunciation, and he went to live um, in a city in the middle part on the coast, the eastern coast of India at Puri, which is a great um, holy place. And he resided there for a short while and then Walking, he took a tour of the entire southern part of India and then returning to Puri, uh, traveled through the northern uh, part of India. Wherever he went, people were just absolutely drawn to him. And there were times when there were like a hundred thousand people following him not knowing even where they were going, they were just absolutely enamored and, and lost in the great um, spiritual experience of this kirtan that he, he would lead. In his travels, he had a profound effect uh, upon different known spiritual teachers of the time great spiritual personalities um, amongst all different groups, including Buddhists and in North India amongst the, um, the greatest, the two greatest followers of Shankaracharya at the time, one in Puri, who was considered the greatest of all scholars, um, came to the side of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, completely awed by his great spiritual personality. And in, in the city of Kashi, and, or in Banaras, rather, there was a great sannyasi. His name was Prakashananda. Prakashananda had more than 10,000 uh, sannyasi disciples. He was like a huge personality. And he had the opportunity to encounter Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who approached him with tremendous humility. And Prakashananda asked him, please don't 
be so humble, come and sit with us. And they engaged in the most extraordinary philosophical conversation. And it was by the tremendous spiritual power of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that Prakashananda underwent this complete transformation and this great change of heart. So the effect and influence that he had was amazing. And he gathered about himself a core group of extraordinary spiritual personalities, which we should actually talk more about. Um, And they assisted him in the codifying the amazing teachings of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But he was considered by great authorities to be what's called the Yuga Avatar, like an incarnation of God for this age. And he very strongly asserted that in this particular age and time, the only means, only means for actual self-realization and the awakening of this transcendental love is through the chanting of these spiritual sounds, these holy names, that it is this which will change the heart. And so there were a couple of Verses that he would quote, one was um, this Hariranam, 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 Eva Kevalam, Kaloanashteva, Nashteva, Nashteva, Gatiran Yata. That in this particular age, this is the only way. But he, he um, very much popularized the chanting of this, this Maha mantra, this Hare Krishna mantra. It was known, but not very widely used. And he would often quote from the Kali Santarana Upanishad, where there are two verses where the mantra is is stated, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And then the second verse, it states, that the 16 words of the Hare Krishna mantra are especially meant for counteracting the sinful influence of the age of Kali. To save oneself from the contamination of this age, there is no alternative but to chant this divine mantra. After searching through all the Vedic literature, one cannot find a method of spiritual activity for this age that is so sublime as this chanting. And so because of of his uh, personal influence, um, India was utterly transformed. People are are actually quite unaware of the influence and the effect. And it really astounded me when I first went to India in 1970. By that time, very few people knew of him. There were only like 
three main areas where there was some knowledge. And it was kind of, it really amazed me in my naiveness that someone could have such a pronounced effect on an entire continent. And then within a period of, of like 500 years, become almost forgotten. And so this was, of course, due to the nature of this particular age, this age of Kali, and the very um, dark effect that it has on people and their memory and their intelligence. So, um, in, in more recent times, um, what the world knows is the Hare Krishnas, um, which uh, th this was not a new thing. The person that was the founder of this particular movement actually comes from a really ancient tradition really ancient tradition. And it was because of um, predictions made by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and some of his followers that there would come a time when every town and village on this entire planet would hear the resounding chanting of this um, sacred sounds. And so it is because of this reality, it is because of this influence that the kirtan has become more widely known and, and appreciated. But most people are very unaware of where it has actually all come from, um, what its purpose actually is and how this influence is going to continue to grow um, for a very, very long period of time. So that's a little brief introduction to this great personality who we will commemorate his appearance in this world on, on Tuesday during the, the day of the full moon. It is because of his kindness that you are all sitting here tonight. It is because of his influence. And of course, I can only encourage you to really open your heart and drink deeply of these spiritual sounds and incorporate them into your life in a regular basis because they will change everything for you. Everything that you wish and desire for, and much, much more, will become yours because of this wonderful spiritual process. Okay? Good enough? Could I? So, since we're, this is our celebratory theme, I will also chant this Maha Mantra.
you very much.
Yeah.